Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Alex Garza. Alex is a two-time prostate cancer survivor, now three years in remission. He is a real estate agent in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he's married for 17 years to his lovely wife, Annie. They have three children, Chloe, Taz, and Melina. He is here to share his journey with me today. Welcome, Alex. Vince, thank you so much for having me here today. And thank you guys for the important work that you guys are doing. I, I appreciate that. And it's like we have stuff to do because of people like you and overcoming your issues. This is phenomenal. Um, what I'd like to do is, is uh, get right into it. So I like starting with your childhood. Um, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned you were one of seven children. So what was life like when you were growing up and that big of a household? <laughs> well, the house was small, first of all. <laughs> but no, yeah, we were, I have seven brothers and sisters. And I'll tell you, it was just a very loving environment. When you grow up with a lot of siblings, it's a lot of arguing, a lot of love, a lot of fighting, a lot of playing, but just an overall fantastic childhood. Now, when you're growing up, what was like one of your fondest memories? I mean, there's probably a lot going on every day with that many kids. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind? You know, I remember my parents used to leave from time to time on date night, and the kids would play this game called Sneak and Go, where we would reorganize all the furniture in the house, and we had a trailer home, and from the hallway to our parents' master bedroom, we would have to sneak while the other ones washed the dishes. And if someone heard us sneaking, they'd say, sneak and go, and they'd find us, then we'd have to go wash the dishes. So we just had a lot of fun with that growing uh, up. That's great. That's sort of like hide and seek in a different a sort bit. of way. <laughs> There's a lot of people that get caught that there. Are seven. <laughs> that's well, a, that's... well the, the whole point of it is, is you did not want to get caught because then you had to wash the dishes. Oh, so. no, no. You don't want to have that happen. Yeah, I'd imagine you'd be awfully quiet avoiding that. Well, we would try. <laughs> so now you're in your childhood. So um, you're getting into high school. And what area in are you in Las Vegas, Nevada at this time in your life? No, I actually grew up in a very small town north of here called Alamo, Nevada. And you're talking maybe 1,200 people back then, maybe 1,500 uh, if you're pushing it. But it was just a small, close-knit community, a wonderful place to grow up. High school was small, about, I don't know, 100, 150 kids. So everyone knew everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. nice and intimate. Now, um, can you uh, draw me a picture? I'm from the East Coast. So what was the, uh, was there a lot of mountains there? Is it desert? What did it look like? That's a great question. You know, it's actually in the middle of a desert. So if you can imagine what the Nevada desert looks like, and then right in the center of this valley, there's an underground river. So there's a stretch of green, probably, I don't know, half a mile wide that oh. runs for about 40 miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like the city was built along the underground river. Correct. That's Correct. really interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting to get photographs or get a visual side. Yeah. So now a lot you're of farming, ranching. Yeah. 
Now you're coming out of um, uh, country style living. Do you go on to get an education? And if not, when did you start out your career? Well, my parents owned a truck stop back then. We built that thing uh, brick by brick, the family did. So when you say, what's it like having a large family? I think my parents just had us for labor, you know? <laughs> we, we built this fantastic business out there that we ran and uh, owned and operated for, I'm going to say, 35, 40 years. Um, I, I left um, when I was about uh, 20 years old, 22 years old. And then I moved to Las Vegas to go to school. Yeah. So now you go to Las Vegas. Um, what degree do you pick up over there? Well, like most kids at that age, you know, I bounced around a little bit. I was going to uh, be a business major and conquer the world and, you know, be the, the biggest business tycoon in, in the globe. But I ended up settling, or not settling, but actually ended up with a teacher's degree, a, a Bachelor of Science in Special Education. That's interesting. Why uh, did you choose the special education? You know, I just found that I had a knack and a, and a love and a passion for, for teaching people. This, it's passion for education and kind of helping guide that next generation and form these young minds into something great, if I could, you know? That's uh, probably that part of you being in the um, large family enabled you to, to connect with that. Because uh, my it, it prob probably had, yeah, probably my had a little bit. Was in teaching, and, and you, uh, he was the high school principal, so you would see various levels of teachers based on their interests, not just because they were in uh, math or science or whatever, but mm -hmm. there was influence as to why they were. So you could understand that then with you. I think the larger family actually nourishes you a, a lot more. The more siblings you Absolutely. Got, yeah, there because you're coming and going and you're getting it from all angles. There's just never a dull moment. Now, so now, now did you get into teaching? I um, into teaching? I didn't. I got into business. I went into business marketing. And okay. um, I really like the idea of being entrepreneurial and having my own time. And that's what attracted me to that. I can't say that uh -huh. I was I, I wasn't very well off until later on because it takes you a while to mm -hmm. get the right niche and dial in your business and so forth. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So let's, um, let's talk about now you're off and running. So you have three children and... Mm -hmm. Your mom and dad, you mentioned that your mom had gotten cancer and that sounded like that was a very rough time yeah. in your life. So take me through the process of what happened there. You know, that, that is one of the most painful times in my life. You know, I saw my mother at a very young age, you know, relatively, she was, I think, 71, um, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. But unfortunately, she caught it too late. She didn't get tested early. Like many of us, you know, she just ignored the telltale signs and just didn't go get tested. I saw her battle ovarian cancer for a couple of years, very aggressive cancer, just ravished her body, but she was able to beat it. You know, she, she, she overcame it at first. And then she was in remission for, I would say about six months or seven months. And then she got lung cancer of all things. Uh, I don't think there was any correlation there, but you know, she went through chemo with that and she was able to beat that. And then she was in remission for about a year and a half. And then ovarian cancer came back. And ultimately that, you know, is what claimed her life. 
Wow. It, yeah, it was a five-year battle. And I'm telling you, one of the strongest women I've ever met in my life. I could not have gone through what she went through. Um, it was it was tough. It was now, tough. at that time, had your father already passed or was he still around? At that time, my father was still around. My father recently passed last year uh, due to, he was uh, had dementia and then he contracted COVID. So, you know, he, he just recently passed. Wow. So, yeah. Now, um, you had mentioned during that time when your mother had cancer, that was uh, shortly thereafter, you found out you had cancer. Is that right? Well, it was interesting. I think my mom saw the signs in me. Uh, you know, frequent urination. And I would always complain that, you know, I, I pee, but my bladder never empties. And she says, you need to go get tested. And, you know, being, you know, 46 years old, you think you're invincible. I said, there's no need for this. Yeah, you're it, hitting stride yeah. at 40s, mid 40s. Yeah, yeah. You you're invincible. <laughs> well, you know a little thing or two about life, but, you know, yeah. you still feel physically young enough to go after it. So Correct. now, you you get the symptoms so what are you doing you you say you see you're traveling and uh sound like you did a little bit unlike what your mom did you you, you didn't want to pay attention to it so what happened there yeah i think we're a little stubborn well you know at the age of 41 is where i started seeing the symptoms and then we actually relocated to the middle east for four years you know chasing adventure and so i kind of put those to the back of my mind and i still had the symptoms it was still you know, uh, tough to pee and all these things, but I just attributed it to too much coffee, which is probably a mistake. So by the time my mother had convinced me to go get tested at the age of 46, um, it, it had spread to about 80% of my prostate. And so um, I'm glad I listened to her finally. Uh, that's a, an important lesson for everyone to learn here is listen to your mother. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I went to the doctor and uh, I had an elevated PSA and difficulty with urination. And, you know, one thing is leads to another. And now uh, was your um, the cancers metastasizing? What um, are you going through physically? Because there's you got the body thing and then the mind thing. So mm -hmm. we'll touch on what you're feeling or thinking after. But what, what was your body feeling like besides having the problems urinating? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I was pretty physically active. You know, I was running a lot. I picked up uh, jogging in the United Arab Emirates where I was living. Okay. And I was run, running 15, 20 miles, uh, uh, you know, in, in an outing, you know, I'd say 40, 50 miles a week. So I was wow. really healthy. I, I just was having difficulty with urination. And now, it, did you experience any fatigue or like muscle joint soreness, anything like those mm -mm. types of indicators? N not initially, not, not, not until after uh, I experience that now, even in remission, you know, uh, you get joint pain, you have a uh, muscle deterioration, a lot of cramping, but, but initially not really, uh, I was healthy. I was uh, felt invincible really. So when my mother was suggesting to go get tested, I thought she was, you know, a little bit crazy. I'm like, it sounds like nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then I, re I remember the doctor saying, well, let's check your PSA. And I mean, I didn't even know what that was. Public yeah. service announcement, you know? Yeah. And, and it came back elevated and she goes, we have to send you for a biopsy. And that's not the most pleasant experience, as you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't be. <laughs> and, and so, um, I mean, I agreed to it. And initially I, I was a little hesitant, but we agreed to it finally. And, uh, you know, went through that process and, 
uh, I, I just remember your world collapses when you get the diagnosis, you know, like. Oh, yeah. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South straight, make a left and body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. What was your first thought? Everybody that gets cancer has that initial chord that strikes. What, what was yours? Well, it's, I mean, it, it, it was fear. I, I don't know how else to put it. I've got three kids. I, I, I felt... I felt vulnerable, mortal, probably for the first time in my life. And, but it was just a split second, Vince. Like my, my personality and my mindset and the way that I've always approached life has always been very positive and with energy and happiness. And so I remember the doctor calling us into the room and he said, you know, I, I got something to tell you. And I knew right then, even before the words came out of his mouth. And he says, you know, you have cancer. And it was like, your world turns black. And then yeah. all of a sudden, bam, there's brightness again. And I remember my first words out of my mouth is, how do I fight this? How do I beat it? And okay. he goes, slow down there, Tiger. Well, uh, <laughs> said, you're, you, you were ready mentally to engage right away, which is a really good sign. Yeah. Well, with that, Vince, I was ready to attack it because I had a very strong support system. I wasn't ready. My wife was ready. We prepped the kids, my mother-in-law, father-in-law. You know, everyone, my, my family, my brothers, my sisters, they were behind me 100%. And so I was weak. They were strong, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Mm -hmm. That The uh, caregiver um, part is just so uh, underestimated. I mean, these people, mm -hmm. I, they deserve medals of and badges and any type of award you mm -hmm. can give them just for the love and <laughs> I mean, and sometimes they don't need to do anything other than just be there. I mean, I'm talking no words, nothing, just show up and sit there and, and just their presence plays in, in that healing process in a big way. Mm -hmm. Now that size family, um, what was mm -hmm. your religious upbringing like? Cause it's going to come into play now, you know, your connection with your creator is going to be mm -hmm. tested. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. We have a mixed family. I'm Christian, obviously, you know, I was raised here and you know, we were raised, my parents are from Mexico, so it's a very Catholic Christian uh, background. My wife is from India. She's Hindu. And so, you know, there, you got these two cultures. One thing that we've been able, you know, over 17 years that we've been married, almost 18, is that there's this mutual respect and understanding that the, what, what we believe in is love, respect, support, kindness, you know, those type of, uh, of, um, of uh, values. And I remember when the doctor told me, you know, you have cancer. My wife was right by my side. Her hand was on my knee. And it was just that little reassuring squeeze to my knee that, that, that made the light come back on. And I just knew everything was going to be okay. You know, it, there, there was never a doubt that I wasn't going to beat this. I was afraid, but there was never a doubt in my mind. Now in yours, do you, um, you're going to get chemo treatments and things like this. Did you, did you have portions of your prostate removed or no operation? What happened? Well, we went through the, you know, the, the different treatment options. Uh, the doctor suggested just because of the advancement of, of uh, my cancer that I have a, a full prostate removal, which, you know, mentally and as a man, brings a whole other range of mental issues and performance issues and physical issues that, that comes with it. And then um, 
because of that, I didn't have to go through full chemo. I did go through, um, it was at Lupron, they call it, right? The, the hormone therapy uh, uh, treatment. And I mean, it was rough and it's still rough because it still impacts you. And, and um, whenever a man has his prostate removed, so there, I mean, there's just so many implications with that and so many things that you have to overcome. And uh, it ranges from your physical you know, health to your sexual performance, to urination and leaking. And I mean, it's just a range of things that you have to overcome. And I'll tell you this, I, I also decided right then and there that it didn't matter what it was, I was going to speak openly and freely because I felt that too many men hid, uh, you know, the, what happens and then it makes it harder to overcome. When I was searching for, for help on, on the internet, Nobody talks openly about what happens to the male body when you remove a prostate or when you're on Lupron. Uh, it, it, it impacts you appear a little bit and you have to work hard to get over that. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I want to bring that up because you're uh, now in remission. So how, what was the length of time that your whole battle went on? You know, it's it happened so quickly. My, my, my mother got me to go, I, I believe it was like in March of 20, um, 2016, yeah, 2016. And then uh, by April or May, by May of 2016, you know, they found out that I had cancer and everything. The doctor said, we have to remove your prostate immediately. July 3rd of 20, I'm sorry, it was 2017. Of 2017, uh, my prostate was removed. A couple of months later, um, uh, the doctor said, congratulations, you don't have cancer anymore. You're, you're clear, you're free to go. And, uh, you know, I think it made my mom very happy. And she finally passed on, you know, she was holding on wow. for me, I think. That's and amazing so, you know, part of the story right yes. there. She was there the whole time. She died knowing that I was cancer-free at the time. That's and then I was cancer-free. It was in remission for, I'm going to say seven, eight, nine months. And I was feeling good. And then, uh, you know, you go for your checkups and the doctor said, well, your PSA is elevating again. And we got to, you know, check this out. And, you know, unfortunately the cancer had come back. And that started the radiation and the hormone therapy and all that fun stuff, you know? So you, from beginning to end, what, what was your length of time? About five, three years, uh, four years? About, th about three, three and a half years, more well, or less. And now you're three years clear. And, and now I'm, yeah, right at three years almost. Yeah, we got to ring the bell. Time <laughs> yes. to ring the bell. Oh, I bring it. I bring <laughs> it. <laughs> That's always the best yeah. time. If you have a story to share, tell us how are you going to leave your mark? Contact us, leave your mark with our host, Vince Cortez, be our guest. So I, I, wanted, I want you to bring us fast forward because I, I didn't mention this earlier. You uh, are a cancer advocate with uh, Voices of Hopes. Can you share with me uh, what your role in that is and, and how that came to be? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I work really closely with my cancer center, Comprehensive Cancer Centers of Nevada, and uh, the, the, the head doctor over there, Dr. Rupesh uh, uh, Parikh, is a 20-year friend of mine, and they do absolutely fantastic work. And so they do a lot of volunteer work and awareness work in the community. So their marketing department, because I enjoy talking and, you know, I, I, I think I'm a little bit eloquent, I don't know. They put me out in the community quite a bit. And, and basically, it's just creating awareness in the community. They paired me up with uh, the American Cancer Society, went through their training. Uh, I, you know, you get to attend these events and you talk on behalf of cancer uh, patients and survival and awareness and 
uh, you know, try to raise funds. There is a, a desperate need for funding so that we can eventually eradicate, you know, cancer from the face of the earth. Ultimately, Vince, uh, you know, and no offense to this, it would be great if we didn't need your services. You know, if cancer was er eradicated yeah. and we didn't have to do these type of interviews anymore. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, there'd be no point in it. Um, yeah. I understand that that kind of technology on the internet is is just around the corner. Let's hope they let it get to us. Um, well, this, this is exciting. I want to find out, do you have a website and places we can direct listeners to and uh, see if we can help out in getting you some donations of some sort? We want to help participate in this. Um, uh, you, so could, you could see that the when I mentioned the uh, voice of hope, you just lit up. So that, that's, <laughs> I can feel that. So, so let, let me tell you what, look, cancer is never a good thing, but you know, when you make the decision to advocate on behalf of cancer patients and to share your truth, to leave your mark, so to speak, the world just opens up to opportunities. And I've been very blessed and fortunate because I'm very open on Instagram and Facebook with everything that I do. Uh, you know, um, you know, with cancer that, I, that I've been reached out to by uh, uh, NGO organizations in Nigeria, NGO organizations in India. As a matter of fact, after this, I'm doing another podcast for um, NGO out of India and, and basically just trying to raise awareness. You, you caught me a little bit off guard because I, I have the website, but I don't have it memorized. All I right. Well, that, don't worry about that part. You, you kind of yeah. touched on uh, on our <laughs> Our uh, final question, and that is, how would you like to leave your mark in this world? You know, I, th that's that's a great question. When I when I was um, going through the loop run and radiation, I put it up here that I wasn't going to let it stop my life. So I registered for a half marathon. I'm a runner. I'm a cyclist. Uh, I, I like to do those things, right? So I registered for a half marathon, and in the middle of this loop run uh, hormone therapy, you know, your body is depleted and torn down and broken down. Uh, I ran this half marathon and I cycled, I think something like 50 miles just to prove to myself that I could do it. So when you ask, you know, how do you want to leave your mark? I say, first of all, it's helping to create awareness, helping to eradicate this terrible disease, pushing people to get tested. But more importantly is this, whatever stage you're in, you know, whether you're, you're healthy, uh, just diagnosed or going through treatment, never give up hope and to advise people to live your life with a purpose. Whatever you do, live your life with a purpose because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Today is the most important day. So just go out and do something fantastic and kind for somebody else. I love it. I agree. 100%. <laughs> thank you. Alex, you're a brave man. I want to thank you again for coming by. And uh, I'll, we'll, we'll get that information. We'll put it on the links and so forth below the video. But I appreciate your time. I appreciate your courage and your advocacy. Uh, you, you're an inspiration and we need more people like you out there pushing. So be well. Thank you. And we'll be in touch and be blessed. And Vince, I would say we need more people like you, actually. What you're doing here is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for making a difference in the world and living your life with purpose, leaving your mark. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate that as well. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.
Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. <laughs>